My goodness me! Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to part 2 of episode 16, or episode 17 if you'd rather. In this cream tea of an episode we welcome our first guest host, the fabulous Sarah from Exeter Saracens down in Devon. She introduces us to the trials and tribulations of the Inner Warrior League, the risks of showering in the southwest, and how to get more under-18s into the game. Sherry describes as only she can what it's like having two daughters, and also helps another listener with a problem. Owen Lou's not the machine anymore. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for five. Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. And Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So, Sarah, welcome to the podcast anyway. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's very exciting. Is it? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't get that excited. Yeah. <laughs> Low-key excited. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess first things first, obviously you want to hear a little bit about Exeter Saracens, but the thing I'm most interested in is your name, Exeter Saracens. Why don't you call yourself Exeter Saracens Harlequins? You know, I know. It's, it's like really you're trying to give yourself the, like the coolest all. name out there to hero up all the players in the Southwest. But tell me a bit about your team. So the club formed in 1953 and then tried and failed to start a women's team frequently between then and, and about 2019 then. 2019 we got really really lucky and we started up a team and there was literally four of us and two coaches for about a year year and a half and then covid struck and we got a huge influx of interest once the lockdown sort of lifted and everybody was like oh I'm really fat and I've got no (laughs) friends anymore and so (laughs) we had loads come back and then as it does they sort of wandered off again and we've picked up numbers ever since we're running quite strong we've definitely got more than four a week now which is quite exciting that's a good start isn't it it's a good one i think we've got 36 signed up to us now which is just huge oh it's just ridiculous it's crazy yeah that's our little lot they were quite happy little and apart from stealing the names of (laughs) well-known premiership teams how did you actually attract people into the squad it's been a huge 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 effort on social media because we were sort of around during COVID times. We weren't really up and about being able to canvas people in person. So we were regularly advertising on social media. We were going to men's games and stealing wives and girlfriends, sisters, mothers, grands. Joe does that. Yeah, well, I I feel like for different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully just as successful. And then we do like a bring a friend thing. So we really encourage everybody to try and and rope in whoever they possibly can into the team. And then once they get there, we add them to like 87 different group chats so that they can never leave us. (laughs) So basically all your team are insomniacs from like the thousands of messages going off day and night from all the chats. Honestly, it's awful. Until you need availability and then they're all silent it's not just our team then no thank wow. god that's good Sounds to hear right though. yeah we should do an episode on that actually the availability ghosts that's an, every team's got one thing isn't it or every team's got 25 oh the one oh i Have didn't you? see that message even though they've responded to yeah. 70 messages before and after said message yeah they've had 19 hours see. of screen time in a day yeah, yeah. <laughs> They posted 15 TikToks and 25 <laughs> Instagram stories, but somehow didn't see the message saying, are you available on Sunday? Did they not reply? Oh, they thought they'd sent the reply. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've let you know. I've, I've got lots on at the moment. What have you got on at the moment? Yeah. You're a student. <laughs> Didn't you just love the ones that are available and then aren't Sunday morning, Matt? I mean, they oh, just don't oh. cause any coaches or managers any issues at all, do they? Notice how Jodie's gone very quiet at this point. <laughs> well, I wasn't naming names, but yes, Jodie. <laughs> Well, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to. Def- I can't know if I can defend myself. I always respond. I always respond. So, uh, yeah, yeah, when you've woken up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two hours after the bus has left. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Where? Where? Who? Yeah, it is one Stop of life's it. great mysteries. That isn't it? Do you think it's because people want to see who else is available before they decide whether they want to play or not? Oh, definitely. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to do. play with Susan in the front row. Yeah. If I was going to respond, if it was a game that I really couldn't be bothered to go to, you know, if it's like a really far distance one, you've got to be up at seven o'clock yeah. and you're out there all day. I like to see if there's enough numbers for me to take a duck out so I don't have to do that. If it's like you're looking at 18 people, I might go, oh, I can give this what I miss. But if it's looking at 15, I'm like, I might as well say I'm there. So at what point does the team having the strongest possible squad figure in your thinking, Jodie? What do you mean? <laughs> So I by just, having everybody available, then it's the strongest yeah. possible squad, doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. it? Which means well, that you might turn up if game. everyone's available because it's got what? it covered. So she Barbers. needs around about 14 people signed up. Yeah. And then she's like, the guilt will yeah, get to her. Exactly. As yeah. a coach, you're thinking, oh, God, I'm going to have to send the binges out against top of the league. Binges. <laughs> I'm having that one. <laughs> Real life problems. So, so, Sarah, in terms of your league and your area of, of playing, are you in a league at the minute? Are you playing in, in a regular circuit? Yeah. So we're in the Alliance Inner Warrior League as part of the Devon Inner Warrior League. And its aim is to help clubs recruit female rugby players into the clubs and encourage more girls to play rugby and I figured out the secret that it's actually <laughs> for teams that have been around for like a decade plus just to get some easy wins in as we sort of <laughs> flail around getting resuscitated in the middle of the pitch <laughs> because <laughs> it's not our standard because we're new so we've had a really good success in that we've won all of our friendlies this year still waiting for our win on the old league table but it's been a good season we've had a good mix of home and away games which is quite nice especially for our club being able to bring some rugby to home games is so lovely and we've got good support from the men's team that come and watch us and I think that's really important but I've started a new inner warrior league in my head because we're just gonna (laughs) dive out of this one but I've started an inner warrior league of post-match meals Oh yeah, and I'm just gonna start judging everybody on what they feed us. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We I used knew. to rank them: changing yeah. rooms, food, yeah. and general social. Yeah, we played one team, and they were beasts. I feel like they're basically Premiership players that are just in in a warrior for lols. And <laughs> we we played them, and that was when we did the um. What's the thing called that you do when they're injured? And you do shout outs to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The tribute to the fallen. That's it. We did that that week after. Holly, one of our players, got a literal boot through her boot. Like a stud went through her boot into her foot, into the flesh of her foot from this player. And there's like pictures of, (laughs) I mean, you know, we're a new team. And then, (laughs) but, you know, wouldn't play them again in Inner Warrior League. But. I would play them again if I got their post-match meal, which was lasagna and 
garlic bread, which is the best post-match meal That's there ever is, combo. was, or could be. That's the only Except when there. some clown makes it with corn to Fools. take into account the snowflakes and the vegans. Actually, to be fair, on away games, they probably haven't come on the bus anyway. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> we had um, a dinner once post game, and I can't remember the oh, club. I'm treat. pretty sure it was up in the northeast somewhere. And I would think it was Carlisle. Oh, honestly, oh, it was amazing. Was that the one where Mercedes first her cesarean stitches and had to go after? Five oh my minutes? god! Yeah, yeah, and then she had to go to hospital to leave her in Carlisle. Sweet Jesus. Anyway, Sarah, you've got all this Sorry. lovely stuff to come. Yeah, I can't wait. We have found a club that we loved playing but won't be returning to for their post-match meal which was just quiche and lettuce like they hated us <laughs> i would campaign against it i mean i would be so grumpy you wouldn't be able to put me on the bus we'd have had to stop the afc was it like the game quiche or dare what the most that? ridiculous drinking game we've ever had <laughs> quiche or dare where was this there was a, there was way too much quiche somewhere wasn't there you don't know mary was you telling us about me. it it was like do you eat this really really awful quiche or are you going to do a dare the six of one half a dozen of the other <laughs> quiche or dare yeah i definitely rebel against that although still nothing compares admittedly this was a different sport and in cricket you tend to be able to take your time of your tea which is between innings but I played a team I was playing in Southwest London in Alexander Palace. It was a full Indian buffet. What a treat. What oh a time to words. be alive. It was unreal. It was literally like the entire families. It was an Asian team we were playing. And all of the families of the players had contributed something homemade to this feast. So it was unreal. We should have a whole episode on post-match food. I've seen this guy on Instagram who rates his post-match food but he's in Scotland he just takes pictures and he rates what it was served on what cutlery was given the food itself the temperature and everything like proper like trip advisor rated on it every dish like rate my plate yeah I think we need to make a grassroots rugby rate my plate post-game I do remember going to a club and I wasn't even the last one to go up for food but not only had they run out of the meat version of the meal but they'd also run out of the vegan version of the meal and there was just nothing left and they were just stood there in the kiosk going yeah sars yeah here's a bag of pork scratchings now fuck off are you joking i'm a prop i need two <laughs> meals right now <laughs> i'm literally gonna fall through a grid if we don't have any more food <laughs> are you really late well, no but i mean that's what i said i was raging yeah we get hungry very quickly props do as you know i mean this is killing me not snacking in between this podcast <laughs> I'm going to a diabetic coma my blood sugar was that low we're not talking <laughs> about food peas all i've had all day is a milkshake i keep getting told off for this i start a new job on monday <sighs> And I might have to wear actual shirts, even though I'm working from home. Shirts, no pants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of the actual shirts I was wearing pre-lockdown are a little Cop snug. Tops. Yeah. <laughs> like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh's fine with that, Matt. It's a bit like, you know, when people do sort of body painting. It's a bit like that, but the person painting has got a sick sense of humour. You're just going to have to strategically place your camera so it's mainly face and collar. Yeah. Kipper tie. Oh, yes. A kipper tie. Go for a retro, 70s big collar. Yeah. Love that, Joyce. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that. You know, I'm a dab hand at the charity shop. I'll send you one. I want to look good, Joyce. I don't want to look like somebody out of Last of Summer Wine. <laughs> if it's retro, it, it's retro. in. I'm not suggesting you have to wear cords. You know, I'm not getting all stupid. I wasn't intending to wear trousers at all, to no, be you honest. You don't have to wear anything. No, I don't. No, I've got images I don't think I'm going to be able to get rid of for quite some time. <laughs> 
George, I still got that image of you sleeping half in, half out of your bra in my head from about five <laughs> episodes ago. So you own it. Have you had that to the wank bank, Matt? Have you? Yeah. Oh, my God. That is what's known as an uphiller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this podcast has taken a turn for the worse yeah, already, brilliant. 13 minutes in. I've not spoken to anyone today. I do apologise. Right, back on mute, George. So, oh, anyway, bye. as I was saying, I'm on a sort of basically a milkshake diet, and apparently it's not very good for you, but all I've had all day is coffee a liquid milkshake thing, some kind of energy bar, and now I'm drinking a pint of cider. So, <laughs> it's all about balance. So if I no, start that's slurring... That's really bad for you. Yeah, More of your insides will start bursting. Exactly. Food, What's most annoying food. is I made a really nice meal for the family who are now eating it, or so I'm sat here talking to you lot. But... <laughs> so anyway, going back to where we were, going back to Inner Warrior League then, I'll tell you what your story reminds me of, is when I first started coaching Korean Nantwich Ladies. So back in the day, before... Women's rugby was really a big thing. There are a lot of teams that were very well established and used to basically play each other, you know, every other weekend, something like that. And some of them are very good and very, what's the word that isn't just big, but they're pretty big. So when we came into the league, these teams were not used to playing against people that could like run around the outside and stuff. But equally, they weren't used to also having to put fixtures in the diary fairly regularly. So there were loads of cancellations. There were loads of teams that would share players as well. So you'd see the same players cropping up across different teams and so on. Some of these teams have folded since in the Northwest this is the league structure started to get a bit more organised or they've merged and that's happened in a few occasions as well. But more often than not, they haven't really progressed beyond the National Challenge Leagues, but they tend to like win really heavily. So they'll win like 60-odd nil. And then there'll be walkovers for the rest of the season. You know, it's really strange. Is that sort of what's happening down where you are? I think the Inner Warrior League used to be Devon and Cornwall. And then Cornwall's Inner Warrior League and Devon's Inner Warrior League got separated and Cornwall's folded because there just weren't enough teams. We've managed to field a team so far, which is a huge achievement for us. But we have been playing a lot of Cornwall teams that have been jumping in with the Devon Inner Warrior teams, which is so lovely because game time's better than no game time, for sure. So we've got teams that have been around for a very, very long time that are playing all the local teams and have probably had to recycle them a few times. But no, I think we're doing okay with getting fixtures. We do have a fair few cancellations because of low numbers in the brand new teams, like the teams that we should be playing, the teams are at our level. It's hard to get them to have enough numbers to play them. So then they end up getting padded out with some ringers from other teams and then it changes the game somewhat. But I think I think game time's game time, at least we're playing. Yeah, absolutely. There's no substitute for it in the days there. No. Do you have anybody that's anywhere near like Sherry in your squad? <laughs> no one in any squad <laughs> is anywhere near like Sherry. I wish we did. We can loan her out to you. If, if you, you could. Can, yeah. And any other proceeds go to our club. Rent a shares. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Is she going to be in her black cap? Because that changes. Oh my God, that'd be better. I think that's called pimping. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should actually crowdfund for her to buy a taxi. Oh my God! Let's not it. just bloody put fuel on a fire. Oh. It would be amazing. Shares <laughs> on tour. We can go on tour at uh, tour to Launceston in the black cab. Oh my God, that's oh an amazing God. idea. And visit rugby clubs along the way. Yeah, That'd but be what I want to know is 
who the hell's going to drive it because lands end to john o'groats charity black cow um, yes, but says, joyce what happens with the driver of the taxi and the passenger of the taxi oh god yeah no actually i don't know because i remember your it. purse remember your purse that's all you need to know <laughs> it's all right love it's on me from crew to launcester that's a big big that's a hell of a fair <laughs> yeah He'll be in that taxi for a while. <laughs> That's some friction. Well, Sherry, I won't. She'll have her socks hanging out the window drying because she hasn't managed to get them dry before the game. So here we go. So blacktaxirentals.com. <laughs> you can hire a black cab for as little as £200 a week. Oh, there right. you go. Okay. You can make it back so... in no time, can you? So we hire a black cab, drive it to Launceston to deliver the prize, which is going to be the world's biggest anti-climax once they receive it. <laughs> We could pop in and see Exeter on the way. We could yes, pop in and see you on the way yes. through, couldn't we? Yeah, and then just leave the stuff with us. <laughs> <laughs> you leave fun. Sherry with you. Yeah, and the hamper. I want Sorry. the Barocca. Sorry, Sherry forgot her purse. She's staying there. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to miss her because she'll be wearing fluorescent. Yeah. She'll be glowing. I mean, we'll still be able to see her from Crew and Antwitch, to be honest. We can't see You can't see, but hear it, that's for sure. Sherry is very idiosyncratic, and I was wondering whether she would travel listening to her in Devon. Does it not sound a bit northern to you, Dana? Is that part of the fun of it? You all sound a bit northern. I'm from the Isle of Wight. I'm more southern than you. I don't know. You've got a northern twang. You may rep the Isle of Wight, but... Jason, <laughs> you're saying he's got a crew accent and he's yeah. dropping his R's. Yeah. yeah. He does live in crews. Worcester's and come crew. Oh, it is not. It is not. <laughs> Travels very well. She's funny everywhere. Glad to she's hear it. a national treasure. <laughs> oh, don't tell her that. I'll cope with Sherry's ego. She's had a rugby national holiday for shares. For shares. <laughs> we should have a tournament where there are actually no laws. Mm. Anything goes. Literally just turn up. Isn't that like a vet's, vets rugby? Well, yeah. there's still laws. There's still like that- pass backwards, run forwards thing, isn't it? Isn't that how Sherry plays anyway? Sherry, you can roll as many times as you like, my love. <laughs> my love. Bring out the heavy roller. You fight to the end, that's fine. Don't you let go of that ball. I mean, the only time she ever lets go of the ball and doesn't roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I wanted to talk about today was a, a story going around Twitter today that I retweeted. There's an article from The Guardian. It's something that's quite close to my heart as a dad of a sporty girl. And that's the number of teenage girls who give up sports. So we have touched on it briefly in the past. I know, Joyce and Lou, this is something that's close to your hearts as well. But a vast number, something over a million teenage girls quit sports and never go back to it in their lifetimes, which is obviously very worrying on a sort of national scale. But also from a rugby perspective, that's huge numbers of potential players, potential teammates, and also potential international rugby players that we're never going to see touch the ball. So I just wonder what, what our thoughts are on the subject. Nick, obviously your daughter is, how old is she now? Emma is 16 and I literally phoned her before we did this podcast to get her view on it because she has actually very recently stopped playing rugby. No. No way. Yeah. I mean, I did ask her if she wanted to come on, but strangely she didn't. And she's just literally done about this girl Cam campaign at college she's studying um outdoor adventures at Rees Heath and she said oh it was really interesting you asked that mum because actually our tutor told us that when the this girl can campaign launched it actually brought more men back to sport first than it did women oh, wow God. and I was like you need to find me that where you're what, in a pedo called. kind of way or I did have a good chat with her today about why she's left rugby and she's given me a list 
Seriously, I know. I don't want you to share anything that's personal to her. No, but no, no, she's quite happy. I did ask. Crikey, I mean, she's a good player. Do you know what? She's a cracking player. I think she's a cracking player. I know she's mine, but it was the lack of the competition. So she is her mother's daughter and is very competitive. We won't talk about the time that she came second in judo and refused to accept the silver medal. That just made me look like a really pushy parent. I wasn't. It was things like the lack of the competitiveness. So there's nowhere really to go. There's not the pathway that there is with the boys still. She knows it's still a fairly young sport for women rugby but for her it's rugby it's not girls rugby or women's rugby it's just rugby they don't really feel equal and it's even down to there's just not enough opportunities there's not enough opportunities to play there's not enough opportunities for teams to play with which I counteract saying well if you give up there never will be so it's catch 22 she said that there's also the stereotype around women rugby players which i found quite hard because she's quite com- well i think she's quite confident in her body yeah has that come from anything in particular i mean has she had any comments from others has she had any bullying or anything around that yeah i think um she says automatically you know people will just assume that you are gay or trans or have issues or you're a raging feminist because you play rugby I know that probably weren't her words that's not verbatim that's just me translating it but she was saying that pretty much so I think there was an old YouTube clip of pretty much of a rugby team saying no I'm not this no I'm not that yes I'm married I have children so yeah she said there is quite a stereotype on it and if you're not overly confident that can really knock you especially the girls that are playing sort of in the front eight as well tend to get it more than the backs she said she found and she's come up from under 13s to under 18s as well so she's kind of gone through the transition and she also mentioned about how um, and this isn't against her coach but the training is very geared to men's sport so it doesn't take into account the changing girl's body through the age groups really we go from being prepubescent through full puberty during that rugby under 13s under 15s under 18s so there's quite a big challenge going on from a coaching perspective that's interesting because what are the issues that that causes coaching as i look at it drills a drill what can you do to i haven't got the answer to the drills but i think if you look at sport in itself women's performance is very different depending on the time of the month that they're in your team pretty much synchronizes anyway so you're all going to be grumpy and due on at the same point so yeah so it's like the changes that you need to take into account there and you know suddenly going in with young girls who probably don't have breasts and then suddenly under 15s you are and if you've got male coaches as well you know they can't hands-on can they so they can't position you so you are getting injured and probably more so than you would do you know if you had a boy and you were a boys team perhaps and you were setting up the scrum you'd probably move the hip round you know you'd are you allowed to do that probably not are you actually move them into position a bit more so they learned where they needed to be yeah have you guys seen the women in sports study for Reframing sport for teenage girls. Yeah, I read it uh, revised this morning. I was like, yeah. oh, let's actually do some research on this for once. I've got the time. It's, it's so good, isn't it? And they touch on body image and periods. And they say that 73% of girls stop training when they're on their period because of pain, 62% because of fear of leakage, 52% because of tiredness, 45% because of self consciousness, and 7 in 10 avoid being active in any way, shape, or form when they're on their period. I think that it's a huge change from primary school rugby to secondary school rugby for girls that have to tackle not only no longer playing with their group of friends, which are the boys that were in their team that they could play with when they were younger, but also it's all of a sudden taken up a notch, isn't it? It's more competitive, schoolwork's loaded on you, your priorities change when you're a teenager. 
And I know I'm, I sound like a dinosaur, but when I was at school, we didn't play rugby. We weren't allowed to play rugby. Girls weren't allowed to play rugby. And when I put this out to the team just before I came on, they were very suicidal about thinking back to when they were at school and changing from pre-pubescent rugby, for want of a better phrase, to, to post when they didn't have the opportunities that the boys had. But that didn't make any sense to them because they were still playing with the boys previously and they didn't have the opportunity that they had previously when they were younger with the amount of games that they could play. And they felt like they couldn't play if they were on their period because for you to be a teenager in a competitive game not only is everybody looking at you but they're looking at you when you arguably feel and look the pits like you're covered in sweat and your boobs are all weird for your body and you're a teenager and you're trying to master a sports bra and it's all just it's a lot of responsibility for a teenager to have to juggle let alone to then juggle whilst being watched by everybody and being told that you're probably a bit shit do you remember those cone boobs you had when you first started <laughs> growing up? Yeah. Do you remember? They just like stuck right out. Oh, yeah. so weird. Sorry. Pop some socks down there so that nobody <laughs> can see your nipples. And now, nips out all the way. I don't think it's just the body changes for the girls. Like, my daughter's in the under 10s. It's not the physical changes just yet, but it's the mental changes. So, like, the girls seem to develop mentally a little bit quicker than the boys so Grace is reading the game maybe she understands the game maybe she's been just in a rugby environment for a lot longer than some of these lads but they're all still playing chase after the egg and Grace is like waiting for the ball to be shipped out to her on the wing and this that and the other so I think it's not just body developments but when it's still mixed rugby in the younger age groups it's like the mental delay in development that's is prevalent as well totally we take mute off um <laughs> yeah. talk about so mental then, development and then joyce can't even take herself off yeah. mute. <laughs> i'm old i'm now going the other way having the uh, women's team around while the young girls are coming through they have got those role models and without having those role models it's quite difficult i think to form where they go so, you know, if you've got a strong women's team, they've got that network of people around them. They see the women, they see us, you know, they're getting that support network. I think that's really important. But also I noticed today Puma have linked up with one of the period pants all about periods and sport and activities, which I think is amazing. And I remember, I think, is it Fraser from the um, sports clothing brand telling a story about white shorts being the club colour and how they had to kind of say, actually, if you're going to have a women's and girls teams you can't have white shorts there's still lots of barriers out there yeah I mean, forgive yeah. my ignorance but obviously according to whoever it was you can roll a blade and all kinds on your period i'm gonna dig myself a hole here luckily i'm in charge of editing so playing on your period is it a kit issue is it a an understanding issue or is it just something that coaches and the players have to understand is probably a good reason not to be available maybe just sit out sessions and things like that i mean is it a case where the, the equipment's letting people down or is it a societal thing is it a mental thing i mean how can we address it because it's clearly presenting a barrier to people playing is different that- for everyone i think i think everyone deals with their period differently for myself day one day one is the worst day for me like it's crippling i can't if training's on day one that's it i'm not going i can't do it you don't always know 
when it's going to happen. So it takes you by surprise a lot of the time. So you can't plan ahead like, I can't do three weeks on Sunday, that game, because I know that's going to be day one of my period. So it's hard to go around that. And then you just, you have to force yourself to play if you said you're available and you just play the worst game. Well, I do personally play the worst game ever because I'm in pain. I feel drained. It's just a mess. Everything's a mess. And your stomach, without going into too much detail about what your body does, you just want to shit so yeah. bad. Every hit, you're like, oh, I'm going to shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think also about actually the, the most amazing thing, um, you know, I'm 47. You just didn't talk about periods and things. And I remember my daughter coming home and actually the boys, well, they have like this Betty the period bus now, a double decker bus that pitches up at the high school in year whatever, old school year one of senior schools, whatever it is now, 72 or something. So they all get taught about periods, boy or girl. So there's more education out there about what it actually means and what's going on with the bodies. But sport hasn't caught up about how women's bodies train differently as well. The women's team at Exeter Saracens have made a period box in the toilets for the girls. I think I counted up and there's like 11 teams at the club that would all benefit from period box where there's tampons and there's pads and moon cups and things ready to be used if they need to in a pinch because like JD was saying sometimes you just can't tell when it's gonna knock on the door and um and there can't be much more embarrassing than bending over in a scrum and your lock saying <laughs> excuse me <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the worst, right? has that happened before Sarah I mean no but <laughs> I can imagine it's bad this isn't a physio job. Someone's bleeding, but it's not. It's not a facial. Let's just move on. Move to on. any listeners out there, if this has happened to you, please do not get in touch. <laughs> I do get in touch because I think it's really important that we talk about these things. You know, and you know this might explain as well. You know, when we talked about showers in previous episodes about people not showering, you've got all of those things going on. Where, to be honest, the blokes get it really easy. You know, go out, have a fag pint, run around, come off half time, have a fag, go back on in the showers happy days we're dealing with all of this we really struggle as well because in some of the away clubs that we go to we went to one big game one of you said that you all end up sinking up anyway there was one bloody toilet for the whole team and you need more than one toilet when there's two teams playing one team the majority of which are you know needing the bathroom for some quiet time and you've got Katie Six Poos in your team as well. Well, yeah. I'm quite envious of Katie Six Poos. I do about Sarah Seven shits. <laughs> <laughs> I find like a lot of the old school rugby clubs, though, don't have the period facilities that you require as well. The bins or even toilet paper half the time. No. You look to find well, that. Or locks on the doors. And let's face it, some are very basic. Yeah, so we're not really building an environment that caters for them, you know, and, and actually, you know, if you look at schools and things like that, you know, they've all got their period boxes and things. So it is available. And then you come to a sport like rugby, there's nothing there. But maybe us as the women's team, we should be putting those boxes in Ted's shed. Our rugby coach, bless him, sent me a text <laughs> because I said about putting the period box in. He's like, um, what kind of tampons do women need? 
because I'm in Tesco. And he bought like oh god, he bought like twelve years of tampons for it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the sweetest thing. Oh, so nice. Yeah, really lovely. Oh, it's like sending your husband out to go and get um, sanitary products after you've just had a baby, and they come back with the thinnest panty liner known to man. <laughs> oh, it's a shame Dubs isn't on because you know we did that collection for the Ukrainians to send over to Poland. Laura sent a Sean out, our coach, to go get some sanitary towels put in the box and he came back with panty liners <laughs> i keep it very quiet here because i honestly have no idea what the difference is panty liners are for when you're just pissing yourself mid-tackle and the other one we can't discriminate when... <laughs> 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 well, you get panty liners for men as well so if you're starting to piss yourself during a scrum or a big hit yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yesterday i did hear one of our players when they got literally mowed over is i think a little bit of we just came out <laughs> <laughs> indiscriminate incontinence <laughs> yeah so going back to the topic then this is clearly an issue that's got more layers to it than people probably realize but clearly we need to encourage girls to carry on playing any sport doesn't matter what sport really but you know sports into their teenagers and beyond because these are obviously our teammates of the future and so on so what are the recommendations then just on this subject alone i mean it's crazy how much chat we've had on just one subject i think that this is where rugby really shines in encouraging girls to stay in sport and get into sport and stay there because everybody within a rugby team each girl can relate to everybody in a rugby team there is somebody in every rugby team that a girl can look at and think I look a bit like them I run a bit like them I can do what they do and it makes them relatable and it means that you've got somebody to to look up to and to work towards when you can see people that are your shape and size and uh, speed or lack thereof succeeding and having fun so what we're concluding here is that basically joyce's daughter quit because she saw what her mother had turned into eight-year-old she's played a lot of sport i mean all three of mine have tried all sorts of sports kind of throwing them in at the deep end of everything but she used to play netball but that night clashed with rugby and with sports she was kind of made to choose and um, but also she's oh yeah uh, uh, netball was too too violent I'm like, how could be netball too violent she would know i was too violent because she'd play rugby first and then we'd drive over to warrington and then play netball afterwards at six o'clock at night on a Sunday a she's absolutely broken but b her mind hasn't switched off I mean there was one point where she nearly did drop somebody on the netball court like wrong sport wrong sport so there was that going on and I think we, as well with we girls, have that with hockey and rugby on the same day there's real big juggling acts actually yeah I think with women's sports um because we've come into what was originally male sports that are on Saturdays, it sometimes feels like we've been shoehorned into a space that's available, but everybody's then shoehorned it in. So your netball, your hockey, your football, your rugby, all the women's stuff are all on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday morning. They're not spread out. Like if you look at maybe men's sports, it's a bit more so. And whereas a parent, we'd probably like to be nursing our hangovers on a Sunday rather than shipping our girl children over to rugby netball and hockey yeah there was a statistic from the this girl cam campaign i also did some research then went down a right google rabbit hole became quite ragey about it all is that 81 percent of mothers with under 15 girls prioritize families over getting fit so 81 percent of mothers in that age group that we're wanting to keep girls active aren't active themselves because they're prioritizing families 
please allow me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know how You'll be glad to know we interviewed a professional referee a couple of days ago, Molly and I. Oh, and can you tackle your own team? Is that what you asked? Do you know what? I forgot to ask. Oh my God, Batty, what are you doing? I know. You had one job. I'll tell you what, Fiona, you're a listener. I need you to let us know what the laws are concerning tackling your own player. I forgot to ask you when we spoke the other day. You had one job. I think not just Sherry needs to know, but I think women's rugby in general needs to know what the sanctions are. But especially Sherry, (laughs) because it's only a matter of time before that happens. For a snap. I'm hanging by a very thin cord. She's very interesting, very interesting to chat to. Do you know what? She listens to our podcast on the way to matches. Because when she's feeling nervous before these big games, she's got to go out and referee. Hoping she doesn't meet a Chez Says. Exactly. You're hoping she doesn't have a Sherry in the back row for Gloucester Hartbury or something yeah. alongside <laughs> Zoe Oldcroft. But she said that listening to the podcast is a great way of decompressing and getting her head in gear before refereeing. She spoke very highly of you, Sherry. Really? On the basis that she's come across one or two of you over the years. Only one or two? Yeah. It's definitely reassuring. So, so the mould wasn't broken? It wasn't broken, no. She reckons that by knowing the enemy, so to speak, she can referee better and she knows what's going through your mind, which in your case is not very much yeah. at that precise moment. Well, there's lots going through it, but a very small percentage of it is actually relevant to the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably what am I doing a week on Thursday. Yeah, or where are my kids? Yeah, where are my kids? What are we having for tea tomorrow? Is the cheese out of date? It'll be stuff like yeah, that. Did they take the pork chops out of the freezer? Yeah. Oh, shit, whoever tied the dog. <laughs> So, really good interview there. I'm looking forward to getting that one out there. But, Fiona, let us know. Send me a voice note. We can put it into the next podcast for you. We had a session on Monday with guest host from Exeter Saracens. She's very interesting. We talked a lot about teenage girls and how hard it is to get teenage girls into rugby and how to keep them there. Obviously, as a mother of a teenage girl, and you're just about surviving to tell the tale. Ugh, hanging on by an even thinner thread. <laughs> it's touch and go. It's like Jezza here in the morning. The family WhatsApp group. I've not even opened my eyes yet. I'm already in trouble. Today's drama bought the wrong Denya tights. <laughs> Wasn't even awake and I was blamed. And then I opened my eyes, looked at the group. Great. Fantastic. Both girls have gone to school in a strop again. So I bought the wrong Denya tights. And then there's the old favourite, the old washing issue. So they wear very similar clothes. North Face, Nike, you know, whatever. They're very similar sized. They wear the same uniform, similar size. They wear the same tights. I'm just supposed to know which pair of tights are relevant to which room. And that wasn't her T-shirt. You'd think it would be as simple as, oh, there you go, that's your T-shirt. Their bedrooms are two metres apart. No, (laughs) kicks off. World War Three breaks out because I did it wrong again. Getting to the point now where it would be easier to just leave a great big pile on the floor and say, help yourself, like a jumble sale. (laughs) It's the only way I can get myself out of trouble. You just wouldn't believe how putting the wrong pair of tracksuit bottoms into a bedroom, you wouldn't believe the drama that could cause. It could last for weeks. (laughs) They can't just pass it over. We need a lost property box in this house. That's what we need. (laughs) It's just too much. So, yeah, I definitely know about teenage girls. Yeah. 
I'm always amazed at the violence that can come with very everyday and also very low, out of low nowhere. stress events. Out of nowhere. It's like a light switch. Yeah. Don't you think? Evelyn, what was it she went absolutely bananas over? Christian was sitting too close to her or something like that. Here it can be, she looked at me. <laughs> That's it. That literally can be it. Doesn't take much. One minute we're sat having a meal around the table. The next minute a bedroom door's hanging on by a thread <laughs> in 30 seconds. Nobody actually knows what caused it. Only no. this week Martin's had to put a door handle back on. Apparently it's the door handle's fault, but it's always the same door. Relevant to the same person's room. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know what your daughters are like, Cher, as well, but my daughter, if you went into her room, you can't tell if it's been a nuclear explosion, a burglary, or it's just normal day. No. I reckon if I looked closely in there, I'd find half-eaten yogurts, half-eaten sandwiches, all kinds. Yesterday's issue was, with the youngest daughter, I have the audacity to put the pile of clean wash in that I've collected up, washed, dried, folded, brought back upstairs to put it on the floor outside her room. That's acceptable. Put it on the bed. Not acceptable. Why would I do that? Why? Why would you keep putting things back in my room? Why? <laughs> but then I put them on the floor outside her room and she walks over them for a week. It's a pile of clean washing. Oh, God, Can't yeah. Can't win. Cannot win. No, I know that feeling only too well. I think probably the most ridiculous mental breakdown my daughter's ever had was when her Veruca fell off. Well, she had this Veruca on her foot we had to treat with bazooka that veruca and she became quite literally attached to it and when it fell off all hell broke loose she even <laughs> asked if she could have some super glue to stick it back on because she missed it does she keep it in a little bag under oh, a pillow, probably somewhere like when you lose your first tooth oh god yeah she'll keep anything you try and sort her room out and you get rid of some of the rubbish and the old toys and the things from five years ago that she hasn't even looked at all of a sudden that mcdonald's toy that came in the happy meal is the most precious thing in her entire life. That's yeah. not even out of the bag. It's the most precious thing in the world, and you've thrown it out, and therefore all hell's going to break loose. I'm glad we're not alone. Yeah, they're quite touch and go. Yeah. So you would think, wouldn't you, that with all this anger and stress and aggression that comes with teenage girls, that rugby would be the perfect place for them, wouldn't you? Yeah. Apparently every year a million teenage girls drop out of sport Only and never girls, go back to it. Only girls, not boys. Girls. Well, with Regan, Regan's played since she was like five. So Regan's always played and she loves it. Regan's really competitive, really aggressive. I think the earlier they get into it, the better it is. Regan's never really been the underdog. Because even when she was younger and she was the only girl in the team for a lot of years, Regan's birthday's in September, so she's one of the biggest and oldest. And obviously me and Martin are both big, so she's not small. So she really always stood out as one of the better players. She always used to get player of the season and she was the only girl in the team. So I think because she wasn't seen as the underdog, that spurred her on. And also when they go to school, it drops off when they go to school, unfortunately, because there aren't enough girls interested. As soon as Regan went to secondary school, she couldn't play rugby anymore. It used to be you could do it for one year, I think in year seven. But the year she started secondary school... It became it can't be mixed. And that's really sad. Yeah. So these boys in year seven, they were probably smaller than her because she's like really tall. And obviously she'd been playing since she was five. So she could have played no trouble at all, would not have looked out of place at all. She wasn't allowed to play because of her gender. And I get it, I understand. But that is really sad for me. We tried to sort it out and wrote to the RFU and everything. There's just nothing you can do. It's insurance reasons. But it's so sad. Because she could have gone in the school team and absolutely smashed it, but she just couldn't play because she was a girl. They could have had a girls' team, but there wasn't enough girls interested. 
Do you think Regan would be okay with playing with boys? Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't phase her at all. Because that's the question I've always had, is that we're telling girls that they shouldn't play with boys. And the reason we're saying it is probably, I'd say, 70% child protection and 30% yeah, safety. Yeah. I totally get the reasons why. Regan is very, in her life, I will prove to you that I can do this. And that's what she would have been able to do anyway. Physically, she wouldn't have struggled. But her mindset would have been, I will show you that I can. Because that's just how she is with everything. So obviously she still plays now and she loves it. She's just been chosen to play for Cheshire again. But I think a big part of it comes from because she's played from young and she's never stopped playing. An issue we've had, Regan has moved clubs, as you know, and it's nothing against the club itself. Every individual is different. Regan is a person who, it's not about where she plays. It's not about the club. It's not about the team. Regan is very, she wants to be where she gets the most progress for herself. And in clubs that she was in before, there wasn't enough girls in her age group. So as soon as the next lot move up, Regan misses out on that by three weeks because of where her birthday is. So now she becomes in the older age group and the younger players are coming up to her again. And her ability is quite often so much more than the ones coming through. But that obviously it's not their fault. It's because they may have only just started playing. Regan has now been playing since she was five. She might have been 14, 15 then. And then she feels deflated. She's getting no competitive rugby now because she's playing with a lot of people who've only just started playing. And that's always a factor. I think that's a really interesting point. She moved clubs because she wanted to be where the numbers were more. Regan is not a person who wants to turn up to a match on a Sunday and three teams all come together and have a bit of a mess about game. She wants to turn up with her team, go out, smash it and win and come away and say our team won. She wanted more competitive games with her team. It makes perfect sense though. Think about it, you know, girls that have been playing since they were young, like your Regan and some of the girls at Crew and Antwich and Grace has been playing, Lou's daughter's been playing, hasn't she now for a long time? They're pretty rugby competent. When they go into that period where they have to separate out, there aren't enough girls to form a full team. So the recruitment that goes into recruiting girls are recruiting girls who have never played before. So for the ones Mm. who are experienced and decent players, it must be really hard work because they're basically going back to basics. They can't help that they've been playing only six months, but it's so hard because mostly in a boys' team, all of the boys, like I refer to Reef's team, we've just won the league, well done. They've been playing together since they were four or five. It's not like that for girls. When you play with boys, there'll be one or two girls, if that. And then suddenly you're in a girls' team and most of those girls have not played before. When you see a girl playing in a boys' team, when that girl then joins a girls-only team, it stands out a mile that that girl is aggressive and competitive because they've played from a young age. And we now travel an hour twice a week at night, an hour on a Sunday to get her to training when we live five minutes from the local club. But it's just, the only reason is numbers. You know, there are teams that have got enough numbers, but quite often when Regan plays, it'll be a couple of teams making a team. And that is why she's moved to Chester, because she wants to play for her team and smash it and come away and say, our team won. If I had someone like Regan playing with me, I'd be able to spot, I would like to think, fairly quickly whether she was competent and safe to play in a boys team for example yeah exactly and as a parent i feel i know my daughter very well if she said to me i want to play with the boys i'm happy to play with the boys i as a parent would be comfortable signing that off if you like saying to the club yeah well we even offered to do that we offered to sign and say if she gets injured it's on our heads 
It's not a thing. We even wrote to the RFU. And I totally get it. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's just so hard. Yeah. Both hockey and cricket, I've seen girls playing up to pretty decent level. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if some of those girls would go on to play you know, representative level because there's nothing to do with the ability of girls. It's to do with the numbers playing. They're getting more better quality games in the boys' leagues than they are with the girls. First of all, the frequency of fixtures is great. There's fewer cancelled games. There's fewer games, like you say, muckabouts really. Girls are coached different as well. You know, coaching boys and coaching girls is not the same. And if you're a coach that has only ever coached boys, it's hard to understand. Girls are more chatty. They mess about. They get a bit silly. You have to know how to work with that. I found that with lads. You adopt almost a military approach. You're hard on them. You're aggressive with them sometimes. You want them to be disciplined and you want them to be almost scared of you, I guess. If you adopt that approach with girls and women, they laugh at you or they'll do the opposite and quit because they think you're horrible to them or something. I don't think anyone's really cracked the code of how to get teenage girls to perform and enjoy it. It's like a very fine line. Yeah, it's very fine because you need them to be tough enough to deal with collisions and all the contacts of the country rugby but you also want them to have fun and enjoy themselves another thing as well that regan found there will be a coach who works with you for a very long period of time if it's a good coach regan will always like certain ones or they're really good they get the best out of us and then when they move up with their daughters and you're the ones left down that's another thing that regan struggles with it'll be a new parent that steps in or a new coach and for regan it quite often felt like we're going over all the same stuff again because those three weeks where her birthday is stops so her moving up with that coach who's just coached them for two years, it was really good. It might be a parent of an older girl or it might just be, you know, whatever. But they move up and then that was why a lot of people left, either stopped playing or moved clubs. It was become very repetitive when it's in a two-year block. It can become a bit mind-numbing, can't it? Especially when you've played for, from a young age. Yeah, I mean, it's the same in women's, you know, when you've got a lot of new players coming in and you have to go through the basics with them. I personally have always felt that you could separate newbies out from experienced players and have yeah. was a high performance. I mean, I get it and I get why squad. it happens, but it still is hard. It's important to embed the basics in people for sure, but you know, it sounds awful to say it out loud, but there were times where my heart would sink when I'd see five new players turn up on a training night. We've got a match on Sunday, we've got to, we're playing top of the league, got to get a squad ready and fired up and then five newbies turn up with a pair of trainers and a carrier bag. You know, because we all, you all have to start somewhere. But Exactly, I know, it, exactly. In teenage girls, they're so temperamental, aren't they? It can be something that simple that makes them go, do you know what? No, nah, I'm done with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Parenthood is not a democracy. You as a parent like, are the ultimate authority in the household. So when you've got a teenager that's refusing to do something, actually, that's not acceptable. And I know that there are times where you've got to fight your battles. I always say to my daughter, if you're going to replace hockey with something positive, then we'll talk about it. But if you're going to replace hockey with sitting on TikTok for an hour and a half, forget it. And which is Romy's what she's always been do. a bit hit and miss. She's all right now. She's like found her thing. It's netball and she loves it. And she goes to training every week. She goes to games every week. But she's always been a bit hit and miss with stuff. She did gymnastics for a long time. She was very good at that. But it's COVID that stopped that. Interesting. Anyway, back to the ridiculous. Got another letter in for you here, Sherry. Dear Auntie Shares, I hope my message finds you well and that the warmer weather is making the dogging scene in South Cheshire more appealing. I have enjoyed listening to your segment on the show and you've given me some useful tips on how to play with people who get in my way all the time. Last match, we played against our local rivals, Dartford Valley Ladies, and I was fortunate to win player of the match after securing three turnovers. Sky R Sky was a very useful tip in how to avoid getting yellow cards too. However, when I had to down a pint, this is when the problem started. Halfway through, basically, it came out of my nose in front of all my team, the opposition team, and about 100 spectators. This was very embarrassing. As the pint downing champion of Mexico, 
What advice can you give me to get through this traumatic ordeal? Yours sincerely, Sarah from Westcliff Ladies. Personally, there should have been a serious fine there for wastage. She should have been made to drink a second pint. She's clearly taken too much time. How did it even have time to get to her nostrils? She needs to up her game. She needs to tip her head back, open her throat and just keep gulping. She needs to do some practice to like get a stopwatch. That's a serious fail. I think the only way she can get, is get voted of dick of the day every game and keep getting made to down a pint till she's perfected it. <laughs> Have you got any tips for being dick of the day then, Sherry? I'm sure you've been one a few times. Just do what I do. Don't even pretend you know what's going on. <laughs> Best way. Just hold your hands up and say, I haven't got a clue, but I'm really enjoying myself. Being dick of the day is a really good way to get a free pint. It's a lot easier honest. to get the man of the match as well than player of the match as well, isn't it? Yeah. I have had player of the match before, but I do get dick of the day more. I don't even know why I've got it, because I think I've done something really good. And it turns out that that was a real dickish thing to do. Well, I didn't know that at the time, but either way, I still got the pint. She was actually part of training on a Wednesday. Finish your training session, line up a couple of pints outside, so when you chuck them up, it doesn't get all over the the whitewash walls of the clubhouse. Yeah. Chuck them down. Katie had wanted a tenner on for that, because we know what happens when Katie's sick. (laughs) Another hand dryer, (laughs) handstand coming up. So I think practice definitely makes perfect, yeah, doesn't practice. it? practice. And if she was going quick enough, it wouldn't. I can't imagine how the pint got to the front and coming out of her nostrils. She hasn't opened her mouth wide enough. She hasn't tipped her head far enough back. And she just needs to increase her speed dramatically. Maybe she went for something too fizzy. Perhaps start with a pint of mild or something like that. If it was cider or anything too fizzy, that would not help. Maybe a pint of wine. That's not fizzy. Probably not red. Yeah, definitely not red. No, <laughs> I've seen somebody do that once. It was not pretty. Kelly, she had a straw pedo. Never seen that. No. You'd like this, Shez. You know the bendy straws. Oh yeah. You put the bendy straw in the bottle. Oh, make a really long one. Pull the straw over the edge and hold it with your fingers. Then when you put the bottle to your mouth, it just goes straight down your throat. It's a really easy way of downing a bottle. But I once challenged my um, ex brother-in-law to straw pedo a bottle of red wine. Is he your ex-brother-in-law because of the straw It did contribute to the ending of the marriage, yes. Yeah, so it's quite a funny story, this actually. The joke was that I wasn't actually going to do it. I was just going to see whether he would. So I had my bottle, he had his bottle, and he went to down it because he was looking up at the sky and couldn't see that I wasn't doing it. So he then necked an entire bottle of red wine in about three seconds flat, and he passed out basically hugging the base of the toilet. Oh, wow. But it was the only toilet in the house. So it was this house party for my sister-in-law's 21st birthday. Um, and basically everybody that went to the loo had to navigate this passed out body around their feet, which for the girls wasn't so bad because they just had to put a foot on his head, basically, so they could get on the loo. But for the lads, you had two choices, basically. You either had to pee in the sink or do what I did, which was go for the lob shot over the body. You could have had a sit-down wee. Yeah, I didn't think of that, to be honest, but I went for the lob shot and didn't quite get it right and just oh, basically wow. peed straight in his ear. Great. Hence why he's now your ex brother. Yeah, it didn't end well, that's for sure. There we go. <laughs> so, Sarah, Westcliff ladies, practice makes perfect. Try with something less fizzy, open your mouth, and basically just get on with it. Up your game. Tough it out. Yeah. yeah. Midweek practice. Obviously, their lives aren't stressful enough. <laughs> Yeah, having a couple of ginger kids could help you speed drinking. <laughs> that could do it. 
Yeah, have you increased the rage in your day? You know, when you go and shut yourself in a utility room and down a pint quick and you're halfway through making the tea because it's only four o'clock in the afternoon because it's the only way you're going to get through. Yeah, that, that's helped over the years. You've got to neck it quick before one of the family finds you. So I wanted to go back to the organisation that Sarah mentioned earlier, Women in Sport. They did a whole report on what keeps women in sport and they found six spheres of influence that encourages women to stay in sport and continue sort of staying fit. They include possibilities, togetherness, support, belonging, progression and internalisation. So possibilities is the idea of seeing someone you can relate to, seeing what you can achieve, that possibility. The togetherness being able to break down the barriers between each other in a team, take part with someone else and sharing intentions increases commitment to the team. The support they get from it is family are often the gatekeeper, encouraging and endorsing and sharing their goals, progression, seeing the praise, setting realistic goals and ongoing personalisation. Belonging is the personalised contact, respect, recognition, opportunities for feedback and good lines of communication and internalisation, being able to focus and shift to a feeling of wellness, heightened experience and personal progression and internalising your own sport and behavioural journey. So those are the ideas that women in sport came up with in order to improve women in sport and make sure they stay long term. They identified the barriers, which I noticed Joyce mentioned quite a few when she's speaking about Emma leaving rugby. And one of the big ones is stereotyping and harassment so bullying from it and assuming that women in sport have to be a certain way be in a certain lane so to speak so I think it's pretty much our responsibility as women in senior teams to be that representation to be that role model for younger girls to say right this is what you can be this is where you can go so they do stick to it and then stay in it long term and join the senior team I think that all makes absolute sense I I did give you you an anecdotal experience in my household so my daughter's 11 She's a promising hockey player, good athlete all round, actually. And she's starting to creep towards the in-betweeny, teenage phase of her life. And from being quite carefree, quite up for a runabout and all the rest of it, she's starting to become more self-conscious and so on. Anyway, getting out of hockey on a Wednesday can be quite challenging. My take on it is just get your kit, get your stick, get in the car, we're going. Whereas her mother had a very negative experience of sport at school. Now, my wife is not a sporty person anyway, but her memories of sports in school was very poor. You know, it was a classic standing around on a field, being shouted at by somebody, freezing cold, all the sporty girls running around and all the not so sporty girls getting laughed at and so on. So she completely understands when Evelyn says, oh, I don't want to go tonight. And rather than supporting and encouraging, we'll say, well, if you don't want to go, don't go. Or why don't you have the night off tonight? We can watch a film instead. And there's a hockey tournament at the weekend and uh, there's a birthday party organised at the same time for one of her classmates that wasn't a close friend by any stretch. Now, had it been reversed and it had been rugby and looking at my experience, there was absolutely no way I would have been able to have got out of playing rugby to go to a birthday party. I wouldn't have wanted to, first and foremost, and secondly, my dad and my parents, but particularly my dad would have said, made a commitment to the team, you play rugby and the social can wait. With Evelyn playing hockey in a tournament on Sunday, it was completely the opposite. It was, you can't let your friends down, hockey can wait. There's that lack of reinforcement and that lack of understanding of commitment and that lack of awareness and empathy, I guess, with the team experience. If that's not reinforced at home, 
then it's going to be an uphill challenge when they go into teenagers and it's even more difficult. Yeah, a lot of it comes from parents. I can 100% get behind some parents who say, I'm picking my battles and this isn't one of them. Girls especially can be really high maintenance. And I can say that being a mother of two boys and one girl and the girl being the youngest, it's really hard to persuade a girl to go to a sporting event that they're probably not invested in. But if as a parent you committed to it and you want to push your child to really go for it, then you've got to do that. But it's also a case of picking your battles as well. Imposing sanctions in my household is the only thing that will ever get through. Right, no screen time. <laughs> and then it's amazing what will happen. If I say to Grace, you know, look, come on, you're part of a team and we have committed to this team and you do actually love this sport. It's just because you feel a bit sleepy. You know, you want to be on TikTok and chatting to your mates. I'm not having that. <laughs> We're going. Can I have that encouraging talk before any training session or any game, please? I do you, do you want me to have that chat with you, Jodie? Yeah, come on, Jodie. You're right. part of a team. Come on. You just phone me any time, Jodie. I'll happily have that chat. Cheers. And also, I could come round and semi-beat you if you <laughs> We talked a lot about the causes, but not a lot about potential solutions here. So my tack at home is if everyone wants to replace hockey with something positive, then we'll have the conversation. If she wants to replace hockey with sitting on a phone playing video games or TikTok or whatever, then no. But it's still a fight, isn't it? So it's a big challenge, this. We've got a million girls out there leaving sports. Something needs to happen. As a parent, it's a case of pick your battles. It's also a case of how resilient and how strong do you find yourself invested in that sport as a parent? I think that's really important because if you're... If you don't play rugby and you're not involved in the rugby environment, the scene, the clubhouse, the pre-banter, the post-game, rate my plate, showers, everything else. And the fact as a parent, you know, if you've got, you know, I've got two boys and a girl that play. I could had times on a Sunday where I was at a rugby club from half past eight in the morning till six, seven o'clock on a Sunday night. So it was a big commitment on my part to do. It is um, a big parent commitment, actually. And we're talking about the child commitment, but it's actually a parent commitment. Well, at that age, until they can start driving and taking themselves. You know, my eldest, he's in the, just finished his senior cults, and suddenly they started driving each other to games. And it was like, whoa, what? You don't want your mum to come from the game? What? Oh, my God. (laughs) That was a a scary passage. But like you picking the battles, Emma's, she gave a very good argument of why she didn't want to. She also stepped away of going to county as well. She wouldn't go and try. I've kind of left it. I think she's just as well with the course she's doing has been thrown with so many more opportunities. She's quite happy now hanging off mountains and cliffs and kayaking and bouldering and everything else. So I'm happy that she's doing that. I think she'll come back to rugby. Maybe because we're rugby women, that we're so intent on our girls being rugby women, that like we're so disappointed when they go, actually, no, mum, I'd quite like to do this instead. We're like, oh. My face did betray me when one time she was to take up dancing and it was just a hard no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, no. no. Ballet? Not yeah. my girl. There's no pop idol parenting there. You'll be shit at it, Emma. Do you reckon she'll return to rugby when she's 18 then, when there is more competition out there? 
And she'd love to play with the women. Yeah, I think when you get to where she is now, 16, 17, um, you're, and the way that the girls' age group is done, it's under 18s, which is from 15 up to 18. That is a big, big difference year on year in physicality, development, maturity. So Emma, she's the youngest of her age group. But she's 31st of August, so she falls out of it. She was playing at 15 with 18-year-olds who are going out on the lash and arriving hungover on a Sunday. It's not good when you're taking it seriously, is it? Rugby's still there for all the girls who are in that gap and they decide they maybe want to try other stuff. They can so easily come back to it. What does Exeter Saracens do for that age group? We've got loads of support for girls coming up. We've got a brilliant under-18s team that we actually train with of a Thursday. We train Tuesdays and then just the women's team and then on a Thursday we train with the under 18s too we learn so so much more than we do from anybody else because they are so loud they are so vocal they're so fast they don't pee as much when they run and they just really really help us to understand where we're meant to be and when we're still growing team and granted we have loads and loads of brilliant players that have come up through the ranks now that we have a women's team for them to come up to but I think our Thursday sessions I find really really beneficial and I know that the rest of the team do because training with the under 18s brings such a different spin on learning the game because they're all so confident um, and they'll tell you when you're in the wrong place whereas the coaches are still being so encouraging like oh well done for turning up with with the right boots on good job everybody for arriving i'm all for that chat <laughs> encouragement yeah i need like... constant reassurance i'm doing well well done jody <laughs> my coach said the other day that the best thing i did in a match was um come off which i think is really horrendous <laughs> yeah, it's like a special that. move in exeter it is. it's like a knock-on yeah. <laughs> This is Molly's Grassroots Salutes. So our Grassroots Salute is to Sidmouth, who are a phenomenal team. They have just formed a women's side. It's a hugely historic, monumental time in women's grassroots history. And in their away team showers are also the urinals. So whether people showered or not after the match, I can understand for all of those that didn't because it was honking. It was actually showering. I mean, fair one, the boys only played the night before. So it was only day old urine splattering all over our naked flannel covered bodies. But it was still urine inside the showers. It was quite literally a golden shower. It literally was, but not as fun. And so they had... <laughs> so they have had little blue box in? Did they have those as well? Oh, the little smelly soaps that smell worse than the piss. So it was insane because the game was incredible. They had like four, five hundred people coming to watch. It was in the newspaper. They had a professional film crew. The Exeter Chiefs, the like premiership. They came and coached and they came and watched. And then we showered in amongst strange men's urine afterwards. It was such a like grassroots women's rugby team moment of where, yeah, you can have your TV crew and you can have your newspaper, but 
don't forget that the men's side will still literally piss on you at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It doesn't surprise me in a perverse kind of way because I've over the years been in some clubhouses where the showers are an absolute disgrace. And even I, I hate being dirty after a match. And there's been times where I've just thought, no, you know, it's going to get as much off of me as I can, but I'm, I'm in and out. I'm pretty sharpish. But the shower in an actual urinal. Yeah, there was like syphilis spraying everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And and we wonder why we can't keep girls in sport. Yeah, imagine being a brand new 18, 19 year old girl. You can keep your period points. We're just going in the urinals to shower and uh, do soft. Particularly when it was like the annual asparagus eating contest. Oh, good lord. The sugar puff days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fifteen Barocca each before, you, before the match on the on the Saturday. Leave the, women a, leave the women a nice present. So I was going to ask about the shower etiquette down in Exeter Saracens, but by the sounds of it, after that game experience, there was no showering. It's just exclusively in urine. Yeah, that's, that's all you do. <laughs> we have a fair a fair mix. We have a fully blown naked, incredible bodies strutting everywhere. And then I, myself, shower in undershorts and a bra because, you know, I got, got a, I don't know, I don't know, I'm just scared. I'm scared and there's urine. What are you scared of? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what other barriers there are. <laughs> I don't know. One day I'll, but a lot of our team are, they are insane. We're a very small, very fast team. And You're not playing them. No, I don't want to play them and they're my team. I simply won't shower with people that look that incredible. Jodie's thinking, can I come and join your team? Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll shower with them naked. So that's what we need to happen then, Sarah. So when, when we come down to Launceston via Exeter, yeah. the shower interview that Jodie's promised us for 15 episodes and we've never actually seen or heard, rather, she's going to have to interview you in the shower. You have okay. to be Preferably naked, with no piss. I don't know if I can be naked. You're never nude. I'll get naked because then there'll be there'll be no issues with you thinking that I'm ripped and toned. Are we all just agreeing to get naked in the shower? Because I feel like that's why men listen to this podcast. Can I sit this one out? If, if Nick Jones <laughs> is getting naked, I'm there. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Let's do it. <laughs> if we need to shower, I'll just get naked and sit in a room. <laughs> yeah, just sit in the black cab <laughs> in my bedroom. So, so far, this podcast has gone mega south. There's a fake taxi going down to Exeter with Cherry driving it. We've got some unpleasant comments about uphill wanks. And now we've got <laughs> that was all a you. shower fest in the urinal with Joyce and Joe. I feel I might have been the main contributor for the podcast going downhill yet again. Oh, my word. That was a really good story, Sarah. That's that was definitely going to stay in. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm just instantly regretting naming the club. Last time, we played another team. I'm choosing not to name now because I liked them. Their showers were so disgusting that despite the fact I had no hot water and no heating at home, I voluntarily didn't shower and drove an (laughs) hour home. Wow. Go and name them. We'll cut it out. I've not even... No. So the showers seem to be a constant issue across the game. And now, we remember our fallen teammates who laid down their mobility and dignity in the noble struggle against the tyranny of skill and athleticism. Sarah Hemming, Exeter Saracens, COVID-19. Louise Not the Machine Reed, Podcast Crew. 
also COVID-19. Michelle Lawrence, Crew and Nantwich Ladies, Massive Swollen Ankle, Sarah Hodgson, Bishop Auckland RUFC, Ruptured ACL. Get well soon, Sarah. They shall grow not cold, as we that are left grow cold. Breakdowns shall not weary them, nor the mud condemn. At the going down of the scrum and in the mauling, we will remember them. To our fallen comrades, we salute you. just seen a, a note here which deserves a shout out lakenham hewitt ladies rugby club hosted their 30th anniversary bash that's 30 years of an amazing women's side that's really good going isn't it how many sides out there women's sides are 30 years or older that's really going some isn't it yeah. that's impressive i didn't know anything was older than like 15 years no it shocked me that's pretty good so well done to you lakenham hewitt looking at the pictures of your social as well it looks pretty lively so it'd be interesting to see what the aftermath was like and you all look quite clean as well so i'm guessing there's no piss showers for you so well done lakin and hewitt and keep going their team is older than me yeah fuck off jody <laughs> you and you i'm still in my 20s bollocks stupid ref stupid ref stupid ref stupid ref our stupid ref story is from the game that we played at the weekend and it was a friendly and it was just wonderful we had the most fun however you never, ever are going to have a good game when the ref comes bounding onto the pitch, calling everybody in the opposition by their first name and like nicknames and pet names. May as well have just turned around and gone home. It's like, all right, Lils. Hello, I'm whatever his name was. Over to us. You can call me Sir. And then he was like, all right, all right, Lils. Hello, Tilly. How's your mum to the opposition? Good effort, girls, and turning up. Let's just leave. <laughs> so it was a score like 80 nil, and you're blaming all of this on the fact that the ref knew all the other team's players by their first names? No, we won. But oh, did what? you? Yeah. Oh, it's delightful. We won. It was the best game. How many penalties did you have, though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you managed to win with it, despite having five sendings off. <laughs> yeah. All the red cards, and we still won. <laughs> Brilliant. I think over-familiarity from referees is, is always a bit of an eye-opener, isn't it? It's a little bit of a red lose, flag. don't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You at least yeah. fake it, don't you? You put your game face on. Yeah, pretend you don't know anybody and then ask them how their mums are after the match. Well, my friend who's a ref actually usually cards me. Is that the friend that you didn't respond to when he swiped left on Tinder? Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go then. It's your own fault. Yeah, your own fault, it's on yourself. I was actually never on Tinder, but again, thank you very much for airing. You were, you just didn't know about it. In those situations, just need to take one for the team next time. Just take them for a date. Joyce, trust me, never take dating advice from Jodie. <laughs> How is your love life at the minute, Jodie? <laughs> oh, it's just, I'm just lonely. 
just on my own and sad and oh, yeah. I know yeah I just, nothing's happened nothing's going on lies whatever honestly it's just everything's just uh you could have had that guy on sunday with the gin didn't want him oh, lovely i've cancelled men definitely not for me so sticking with the women anybody next is it we're going to start doing a little dating jody section of the podcast but Shez and jody out in this podcast yeah do it for free <laughs> you're so generous <laughs> jody wants to pimp herself out you're an independent woman good rates yeah oh, have you got God. any players down in exeter that are either gay or curious yeah i don't care straight <laughs> yeah yeah jody sees straight as a challenge yeah don't you jody what's that say about spaghetti what do they what? say about spaghetti you don't know. Straight until they're wet. Oh, Good lord. <laughs> so I'm going to have a horrible dilemma here whether I cut or stick with that one. That's really, that's very funny. You stick with it. All about education. Yeah, although it does worry me slightly that we're supposed to wrap this episode around something fairly serious with Victoria Rush, who gave up a significant oh, amount of her time yeah. to come on the pod and also promote her new documentary. So That's so exciting. Jodie, knock on, knock off. So the rules, are you familiar with this, Sarah? Have you been listening for the last few weeks? Yes. Okay. I'm down. Do you want me to explain it? Because I explained it to Katie and she still didn't get it. You can explain it if you want, but I'm ready. Okay. Can you explain geography to me? Geography? Because I think I may fare better if you did. <laughs> this is a slightly different one because I have said previously that I'd pick either a rugby club, a rugby team or a rugby player. I've not actually chosen any rugby players yet. So I'm going to go with solely rugby players. So there's so many teams out there. I'm not going to give you bonus points for location because it'll just be a wild stab in the dark. The rules are, if it's a real person, it's a knock-on. If I've made up, it's a knock-off. And they're all slightly associated with rugby. So they've got rugby terms in their name i do want to give a special shout out though to one person i've not included her because we all know who she is fanny kiss no yes fanny kiss plays for 1861 and she has just got peak name but if i'd used that we all would have known her but yeah Yeah. great name fanny a hero (laughs) so we'll get started with katie pitch is she a knock on or a knock off katie pitch knock on i'm gonna say knock off one point to Matt. It's yes. a knockoff. Ah. It's not too not. obvious that one, Jodie. It might be a real person. I don't know, yeah. but What's I can't find What's the next one going to be? Sarah, hands all in the rug. <laughs> oh, I get spelled that a lot. Next one is Vicky Offlow. Ooh. Vicky Offlow. That's amazing. If that's real. Is that a knock-on or a knock-off? I'm going to say right. knock-on. Can I just say I hate this game? Um, <laughs> I say knock-on. Knock-on. Okay, you all get that right. She's a real oh, person. Hey. And she plays for Henley College. The next one we'll go for is Lisa Ball. Lisa Ball. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say, do you reckon? Knock off, I say. I say Oh, knock, knock on. Might as well be Lisa Flag. <laughs> and Sarah? I say, oh, knock off. Knock off. Point to Lou. Lisa Ball is real. And she plays oh. for our very own East Dorset Dockers. No way! Oh. Yeah, she does. Go on. Amazing. Amazing. Next, I still we don't have... like this game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean this game doesn't like you. Yeah, that's it. Next, we have Ashley Lineman. Ashley Lineman. <laughs> no, <laughs> you got to have made that off. up. I'm gonna say knock on because it's almost too good. What's the first name? 
Ashley. Knock off. Knock off. Lou? Yeah. Sarah? Knock off. I'm knock off. Knock on. Knock on. It is, in fact, a knock off. I've made it up. Oh. Lou, you're winning so far. The last one for yourselves, Holly Laws. Is Holly Laws a real person? With or without an E? Without the E. L-A-W-S. Holly with a Y. For reference. <sighs> for the stealth Googling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, knock on. Knock on okay, knock off. Knock off, Matt. Knock off. Knock off. She's real. She plays Amped Hill Ladies. I'm getting. Maybe I do like this game after all. Lou, you've won. <laughs> Get in. Take you three weeks. You got there. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't like the game. I love that game. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Jodie. Good. Grassroots News with Lou. Interesting this week. So I've actually been thinking about the podcast awards and how we were doing so great to begin with and how not so much. Looking at the good, the bad and the rugby, they've been absolutely smashing promos. James Haskell's been smashing the uh, social media. So is Mike Tyndall, in fact. Husk is an expectant father. That's helped get the good, the bad and the rugby right in the media light. And also they are touring with their live podcast. So good on them. I think they're probably going to win. Yeah, I think we're... Uh, just a couple of steps away from doing live podcasting and all the stuff that they do. But I just wanted to actually say thank you very much for everybody who's voted for us in the podcast awards. Really do appreciate it because let's face it, it wasn't actually a very simple process. It was quite an involved situation. It was a bit of an ego boost for the first couple of weeks and we really loved getting everyone involved. Before we crash back down to earth. Yeah, before we went back to zero. Yeah. Maybe next but year. On a serious note, to echo what Lou said, the voting closed yesterday. So we had a good push towards the finish line. For a long time, we were leading. And before they went dark on the leaderboards, we were third. So even that is a phenomenal achievement given where we're at in our podcasting journey. So to all of you that voted, massive thanks. We do really appreciate it. And as we always say, all the feedback that comes in, all of the ratings you give us on Apple's podcast, Spotify, comments on the on the website and so on are very very much appreciated so thank you yeah absolutely and my second bit of news this week is that i went to the social for the crew saracens cheshire warriors rugby club at the rifleman pub last saturday it was great i did moan my bag off a little bit saying whatever happened to 15 pints of lager and a kebab because there were all sorts of eating challenges etc but anyway went to the social it was great got covid gutted (laughs) (laughs) and do you know what i'm not actually that gutted because i've got covid and i'm not even totally convinced it was from the social what i'm actually most annoyed about is that i've been quite supreme in the fact that i've been known as the machine i've dodged all the illnesses all covid everything until now bad times bad time it's a really bad time to get it as well because you don't even get sick leave now i used to at our place 
Only because nobody's finalised the policy yet. <laughs> the intention's are... very much there to take it away. <laughs> HR have got a bit of a backlog, so yeah. hopefully we're still on the old policy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. It's competition time. We are thrilled to announce that in partnership with the brilliant Halbro, we have a full set of 25 pairs of women's fit shorts to give away. These shorts will be tailored to your team in your colours with your logo and the Grassroots logo. All you have to do is click on the SurveyMonkey link in the show notes or on our social media, complete the form, tell us why you need a full set of women's fit shorts for your team and you can be in with a chance of winning. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. I've absolutely loved having you on. It's been really fun. Thanks um, for having us. N- no problem. So hopefully we'll keep in touch. And, and yeah, if we do make that trip down to Launceston, we'll see if we can catch up for a pint and see what's going on down next to Saracens. Um, it sounds like a great club and best of luck for the rest of the season. Amazing. I'll see you in the shower. Thanks so much for listening to this No Arms Tackle of a podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us all or at least some of your money on www.ko-fi.com forward slash grassroots so you can now buy Nick a microphone oh, and don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts a brilliant finish this was Grassroots women's rugby on the roots up